Hello there, welcome to the Evan Hawk Podcast, the space for all things Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars news. Today I'm discussing Light of the Jedi and the all-new High Republic era with Star Wars thrifting. Spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and books. This is where the We Are All the Republic begins. I'm excited to bring you on today, Star Wars Thrifting. Uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, I go by Star Wars Thrifting, but my first name is Silver. I run a Instagram account where I go on these thrifting adventures, whether they're swap meets, thrift stores, antique shops, and I like to share with everyone what is out there in the wild as far as Star Wars memorabilia, and anything to bring the nice warm fuzzies of nostalgia or memories of your childhood, I like to share it on my Instagram. And I cannot wait, thank you Cassia for having me on the podcast to discuss this exciting new era of Star Wars. Yeah, and this is your first podcast episode? Yes, this is my first podcast episode, so... When you'd asked me, I was a little nervous, but I was excited. But yeah, my very first yeah. podcast. So thank you for yeah. bringing me on. <laughs> You're already doing great. I don't know how this happened, but like 53 episodes. Uh, well, this will be like 50 plus episodes. You're, you are our first uh, female guest, so I'm trying to uh, get more uh, female voices. So thank you for being the first. <laughs> awesome. Yes, we're here. We're ready to talk. We love Star Wars. <laughs> Us ladies, we're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, what was the coolest thing you've ever found uh, thrifting? Okay, I found some pretty cool things. But I think for me, it's a, it's kind of silly, the thing that I found that I just consider my favorite thing. I was at a flea market and um, I was there's this uh, vendor who you can tell a vendor when they have they come from storages or they're just picking up, you know, Goodwill bins or whatever. But it was a you can just tell the vendor just bought out a whole storage like storage wars. So I was going through this box and um, there was a a box of vases and they're wrapped up in newspaper. And then I saw this paper that looked really familiar because it looked like a piece of uh, Jar Jar Binks's side of his face. So I picked it up. It was actually a coupon of uh, Pizza Hut, 19.99 Pizza Hut coupon. Yeah, for Pizza Hut. So it was, you know, coupons. You can get discounts on pizzas, wings, sodas, or whatnot. But it was uh, during the promotion of Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. So it was really cool to kind of see just a piece of paper. And it was, you know, just in a 20-year-old time machine. <laughs> and oh, it wow. was from 1999. And it was really, really exciting. And I remember grabbing the news, the little coupon. It's a whole page. 
And I asked the vendor, how much is this? And I got the craziest look because I was pretty much asking. I mean, they were like, uh, you can take it because <laughs> it was I think it was used uh, to wrap a vase or something. But I don't know. For me, that was just really fun and exciting. One, it was free. And two, it's just silly. It was a coupon from 1999. And it had my favorite things: Star Wars and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> fun find. There's so much uh, Phantom Menace merchandise. Oh, yeah. Like, Star Wars took over the world, like, pre the Phantom Menace when it was released. Like, I don't know. If you weren't alive for this, like, it was crazy. Like, you think uh, the launch of The Force Awakens was crazy? Like, Mm -hmm. go back to 1999. Like, every every cereal box, every uh, chip bag like I was like there's a Sebulba there is yeah Queen Amidala wearing her black outfit like yeah uh, for like the whole summer it, it was yeah. crazy it it was wild and then um I remember they had this uh tri like this trifecta of fast food chains banding together it was KFC Pizza Hut and Taco Bell banding yeah. together and um promoting this movie And they just had, like, the craziest collectibles. I remember you having to go to KFC to get the souvenir cups. Same with Taco Bell. Um, But, yeah, it was a a crazy time. And I, you know, I know you and I were, you know, young. So we were, I remember, I, that left an impact on me, I'm sure, for you also. You're remembering that. (laughs) Speaking of the Phantom Menace, uh, 200 years before the events of the Phantom Menace, we have the High Republic era. And it, the High Republic era launched with The Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. What did you think of that book? Honestly, I love it. It's funny because I don't remember. I remember when they announced it as Project Luminous. I don't, I was excited, but not, you know, I wasn't too, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, this is, I can't wait for it. Overall, I, I enjoyed the book. I the fact that it was 200 years before anything that we've seen on any of the movies that we've seen just left this idea of there's just so much room for you know you're just in this ripe era and there's there's nothing really holding you back from telling you don't have any books or stories or anything that you have to you know kind of put together it's you know you're getting much like you're pretty much getting a blank slate and I thought that was really exciting but as far as the book if I had any doubts, all that was just forgotten right in chapter one. <laughs> um, I think the pacing of the book was great. Uh, I think Charles does a tremendous job uh, world building and introducing us to brand new characters. And I could not put the book down. I just I went through it really quick. By far my favorite new Star Wars canon book that's been released. I listened to it on audiobook. So it's always fun to kind of experience Star Wars in the way that old radio dramas used to be produced. Mm-hmm. You have sound effects, you have some music background. Sure, yeah. Some music in the background, and th- those are always fun details. Before I experience this book, I think I was always excited because I, I like it when someone tries to do something new rather than just kind of come up with another story like what happened between episodes four and five you know I'm like oh let's see something new so 
when Project Luminous was announced, I thought it was originally going to be 400 years before mm-hmm. uh, The Phantom Menace, but then it's 200, and that's fine with me because history doesn't always, you know, kind of just follow like a straight line on a graph, you know? Like sometimes it goes up and down, uh, and it has a different look, it has a different feel. It's a little bit like the Wild West or the Renaissance or uh, the medieval period, but it's also just Star Wars. It's kind of just doing its own thing. And what I like is that it isn't a period that was really touched on in the old canon, like legends or mm-hmm. or in canon. So it's all completely new. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved Light the Jedi. It was a fun listen. Charles Soule is a great writer. I don't think I've really read a Star Wars book since, like, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, like, that I thought, like, matched yeah. that kind of writing caliber, so I was yeah. very impressed with that. Um, that that so, That is a great novel, the Revenge of the Sith novelization. Yeah, a lot of people don't get it. They're like, "Oh, it's a it's an adaptation of that that one movie in space," and it's like, "No, it's really good." It's so good. (laughs) Someday, maybe I'll have to do an episode just on that because, like, uh, the way Matthew Stover just like kind of captures the characters and his writing style is just unmatched. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe one day we'll see him do something with the. Uh, High Republic or maybe another era that that would be fun yeah that'd be awesome I mean uh, the way they they announced that it's coming in different phases also um, Mm -hmm. there's just some very longevity to this um, which is really really exciting what did you think of the overall story the overall story um, like I said from chapter one it just sets up something that's just it's it's so cinematic this to the way the pacing is the first act alone was just so good and you know this book had a lot of pressure uh charles had a lot of pressure because this book does introduce this new era and it's almost like okay this is you know you want to introduce a new era to to fans um and also you know this necessarily you don't have to be a big star wars fan i don't i might you know personal opinion to pick up this book and enjoy it this is the way it's the way it's written out but the overall story, um, I thought, uh, as far as the plot, you know, it was very good. The pacing and just how it kind of, you know, kind of kept you just on your toes. At the same time, introducing you to a lot of new characters that you easily fall in love with. And I thought, you know, I thought it was great. I thought that also introducing, you know, the 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 big bads of the the story also i think he just did a he knocked it out and did a did a really great job but as far as the story i mean it i thought the pacing was the well i mean you had the first act which was you know just it's just so i mean again it, i just i <laughs> the first act reminds me of you know that sets you up with the this call it's called the great disaster but it sets you up and it introduces and it also explains kind of the state of the galaxy and where they're at and the world building of it. And again, introducing us to so many characters. I thought it was a great story. It's great you mentioned the pacing because so much of the 
of the book does follow the great disaster and I'm I was just kind of listening to it and like yeah but they're gonna even though like they say the great disaster kickstarts it I'm sure they're gonna you know fix it but it just gets closer and closer and then there there is that great disaster but mm -hmm. you're through that disaster you're learning about all the different uh factions all the different characters like kind of what the galaxy looks like mm -hmm. at that period in time so i think yeah. it did a lot of world building and character development oh i and loved it i thought the pacing was good it sets up a good mystery i enjoyed the the story i thought it kicked off a great new era of star wars storytelling so i didn't really have a complaint <laughs> no the well, grand arc of the story yeah i i didn't i didn't either and i mean you kind of needed you needed something so big like they call this the great disaster i know i'm sure our characters don't think don't won't necessarily call it great it's actually you know it's pretty tragic um what happens but this kind of just kicks off because right now the galaxy is kind of oh it, you know they kind of show how everything is kind of at peace and everything is well and there's so much hope in it in the galaxy right now and you know there's so much unity and is everything perfect some no not really but there's no big galactic civil war there's no there's nothing you know for everything's kind of just pretty much at peace and then something big happens um this tra uh, tragedy strikes and the jedi are called to come in and you know do what we have always been told what they what you know what they do and uh, we're able to kind of see again like you know you, you talk about mystery like you know they gotta go and figure out you know how did this happen I think it just has to do with Charles Soule's writing I mean just again I keep saying the pacing of it was just to me so perfect like you just felt impending doom <laughs> in the first part of the story. And what a great way to introduce the Je uh, the Jedi. Uh, you have impending doom on its way. Uh, the Jedi are, you know, there to bring hope to the galaxy. And a yeah. great way to introduce them. Definitely. They didn't seem like superheroes. They seem like Jedi, which, which I liked. Because mm -hmm. you want to keep those flavors separate. But I was like, no, this is what a Jedi would be in the best possible way mm -hmm. and i was just so glad it was just so fresh like to not have to deal with a galactic civil war not deal with the sith <laughs> just kind of have different adversaries like yeah where they're not waging a galactic war but it still causes problems for people and mm -hmm. uh, the high republic is a good time for the galaxy but it's not perfect and I think I definitely saw some of the ways that uh, it could be this time period could lead into what we saw in the prequel trilogy, which is kind of the fall of the Galactic Empire, you know, and you just kind of have some greedy business people and like mm -hmm. some politicians who are more kind of worrying about their career and electability, you know, but yeah. Um, no, for sure. But overall, like, it, it's positive. So I, I I, did like how it is a good time period. It's optimistic, but golden ages can turn into gilded ages, which can turn into, like, you know, depressions or times of war, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I, I sure. like those details. I was kind of surprised. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of fans 
some of them who are on the fence about the High Republic are like, but what about Knights of the Old Republic or the KOTOR era? And I was mm-hmm. like, I always felt that if it's a good story, it's a good story. But I feel like, if anything, the High Republic opens the door to go back mm-hmm. to that time period. And I felt like we got some good, good indications that the Knights of the Old Republic the KOTOR era will be explored at some point. Yeah. Because the Jedi Council mentions the the Great Sith War, and yeah. when I heard that, I was like, oh! Yeah, I I'm know. I'm so excited! And oh, I know, for someone sure. Has a, someone, someone has a lightsaber that they they kind of reclaimed a crystal from an ancient light spear yeah. that a Sith warrior had, and I was like, that's amazing! Yeah. And so, so I was happy about that. What were some things that surprised you? You know, honestly, the things that surprised me the most um, were how quick I was attached to these characters. And, you know, it takes time for me to get easily attached to, you know, characters and stuff. But I was really, I, I got, I, you know, I was happy with each introduction. And again, I just, and that's another thing I was excited about, you know, Especially how they, you know, they promote this book of, or this era of, you know, the golden age of the Jedi. And I just said, you know what, as long as I hear more things about the Force, that is, you know, for me, that's my happy place. And sure enough, you know, we are able to see just how the Jedi perceive the Force in their own unique way, which gives you kind of like an intimate window into each part of the character. Just about how, you know, in the way they perceive the force. And that's, for me, I was easily able to be attached to this um, to these characters. Just because, you know, the way their connection to the force and how it, it's explained really beautifully through the words of Charles Soule. But I was yeah. so surprised just how attached I was. And again, there wasn't no movie no comics, nothing prior that had introduced me to these characters for me to already be attached. For example, I love Claudia Gray's novel, um, Master and Apprentice, but that's because I already have, I already love Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And, you know, I'm already attached to these characters. But to get a brand new Star Wars book, Star Wars story, and have no idea who these characters are, beside, and just instantly just be attached to them. And I was just shocked about how, you know, how much I... I enjoy these characters and how to me they're just some of my favorite Star Wars characters already and I cannot wait to keep learning more about them. I meant to ask this earlier but I forgot to. If you could describe how you would see the Force if you were in the Star Wars galaxy, how would you see it? I'm actually a chef. That's, you know, that's what I do for for my job. I would probably have to be everything would just be very visual for me. I don't know. I just feel like I it's you know when you're when you're cooking and you're a chef, you're always in your mind, you have to see something and kind of like visualize it. And I just feel like maybe that's kind of how I would perceive it. I don't know if that makes any sense. I would like just you have were to... one ingredient in yes, the I would. I would have souffle of life. Exactly, something like that. I don't know. If I, I'm. That's a great question. And oh man, I feel like I gotta. I'm gonna think about that. I'm probably gonna have to really like in the back of my mind really think about it and then explain it in a better way (laughs) uh but that's just you know because that's just I'm constantly in my mind I'm just you know when I'm planning and I I just feel like I would have to yeah I would look at it as one big entree 
And then, you know, what ingredients do I need to, I guess, whatever I'm going to use this entree for, whether, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> that is a it, terrible, it you know, I'm laughing because that's like, oh, I'm probably not explaining it properly. Because when I'm cooking, I joke around that I use the force because, <laughs> you know, it's sometimes you're going based on your instincts. And like baking, I know baking is like very precise. You have to, you know, but as far as cooking, I think there's a little bit more, you know, you can kind of, again, go with your instincts a little bit more. And that's how I would perceive the force. So, yeah, hopefully the Jedi Temple hires me as a chef because I would kill it. <laughs> yeah, you're, I think so. Um, <laughs> that's how I would perceive I'm not the sure. force. <laughs> Because I'm not sure how I would see the Force in Star Wars, but um, I'm always just a cognizant of history and mm-hmm. how uh, one person can be the world to someone, but there's still a world of people out there. Like, yeah. I'm one out of many, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's definitely a good exercise to think about, you know? like It, it really is, because... Um, you know, and they go into detail how the, you know, how uh, these characters uh, perceive it. Like um, Avar Chris, who who sees it as like a song. They, she calls it the song of the force. It's almost like a, like, you know, sees it as like a symphony where um, Elzar sees it like an ocean, which is just, there's, you know, it never ends. And um, there's so much depth to it. And I just thought that the way they, the way, again, I'm not doing the writing justice of how I'm, how I'm saying it. I just thought it was so neat how, you know, the Jedi, how they explain, how he explains how they see it. Again, because you perceive in a different way or, you know, everyone, you know, differently can perceive in a different way. Because usually we, when we hear, you know, it's usually a couple Jedi that at most that we you know, learn about, you know, the way they, you know, see the force and, you know, their first capabilities. But again, you have so much Jedi in the story where they, at one point, they have to unify together and connect through the force and just the way that, you know, they're connecting, but it's all, you know, in a different, in a different way. Yeah. Um, when that was happening, like, Avar, Chris is good at connecting the bonds of different people. I was kind of like, is this supposed to be battle meditation? Is it a different kind of, is it kind of an ability kind of adjacent to that? Or is it kind of like a different uh, interpretation of battle meditation? So mm-hmm. that was interesting to see um, all these different Jedi. From all are... over the place, too. And they all just see the force differently, but yeah. they're still using the light side of the force. They're aligned with it. So, yeah, so good. There's there's so much potential, honestly. I mean, if they ever do make the High Republic into movies, like the composer would have a lot of fun with Avar, I think, because she perceives the force as music. You can have so much fun and interpret all these different sounds and mm-hmm. the Nile use a lot of music so I'm like oh my goodness like this is pretty <laughs> pretty good writing I, here Charles I, I, I hope we see it if I I mean 
again, I'm as you're reading the book, you're just trying to, you know, visualize everything. And oh, man, this would be so good if I could see this like on screen someday because. Oh, so, so, so good. <laughs> yeah. But, was there anything that kind of fell short for you or you kind of like more explanation or was there anything that disappointed you in the light of the Jedi? I'm going to say the Nile weren't, didn't come as cross to me as intimidating as much as I think I was supposed to feel. I don't know. They weren't as, maybe because I'm just so, I, I'm, you know, I just, I, maybe because I hold the Jedi to a higher standard or whatnot, but I don't know. I just think that for me, the Nile weren't as scary for me, but I'm not, I'm, if, you know, we talk about someone who's in, you know, involved the Nile, there's a particular character who I thought was really, really, really scary. But as far as the Nile, it, you know, as the group, I just really, you know, I know we're told that they're, they're raiders and they're space Vikings and they take what they want. And, I don't know. I just didn't find it, you know, as intimidating on um, off the page. Maybe it's something that, I, you know, if again, if I were to see it in a movie, you know, it could terrify me with the mo- with movie magic. But I don't know. It just really didn't pop up off the page for me. <clears throat> yeah, I think there are going to be more villainous villains as the series continues. Yeah. Because I think as the series continues, we're kind of finding out like what scares the Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of looms over the series. Because sometimes the Nile would re- remind me of the War Boys mm-hmm. from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that that's yeah. interesting. But yeah, I, would I got like those to vibes. See more more viciousness, you know. Yes. And I I mean you can only go so far with Star Wars and I respect that, but um mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll see more conniving from them in the future. Yeah, and I think again, I think maybe I was just getting too and maybe that's just me getting ahead of myself of like, okay, well, you know, and I totally agree that as the story, especially how the story is left at um at the end, um, we will learn more. And I mean, granted, what they're doing right now, I mean, you know, just kind of appearing out of nowhere, that is pretty scary, especially how, you know, not knowing where they're coming from. But but I don't know. I think I think for me, it was just more of like the way when they were, you know, how it was being described and, you know, just probably didn't, I don't know, just probably didn't capture, you know, I just wasn't really that impressed. But um, I guess towards the end just the possibility of what is to come later i think that's pro that's you know that's something i know i don't have to worry about i'm sure you know we'll i'm sure they'll they'll be scary when they're <laughs> uh, especially again where i feel like the story may be leading us to but that's just probably that's that's probably just a small thing that i think kind of you know yeah i wasn't i was feeling kind of a little unimpressed but that's... Yeah, I'm sure there will be <laughs> confrontations in the future. Yeah, for and sure. they're just getting started. <laughs> I think this wasn't a disappointment, and maybe this is just because it's the first book in an all new era. But I'm just like, how many characters are there? Like, it can be a little bit of a challenge to keep them all straight. But a lot of it's... Star Wars pages, especially if you're bad with names like me. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Star Wars pages, like, helped out and created some guides, and we have some good visuals to go along with some of the characters, so that that was helpful to have. Because, um, I mean, Project Luminous, uh, the High Republic was delayed from last year it was originally going to come out but i'm glad we at least got some of the art so we could kind of start visualizing uh the era a bit i totally agree because it was um what was it was supposed to come out in in the summertime i believe right? it was, was it august? august last year yeah. yeah august last year but i so. it, i think from what i heard from what i'm my understanding is because just because we are um because of the pandemic um because of the Com- was it because of the comic books that they weren't able to they probably weren't able to comic book distribution uh yeah. was kind of affected yeah. i think now the pandemic has kind of been it's kind of normal you know so mm-hmm. people will get books you know if they're gonna get yeah. books and it seems like it's had a pretty incredible launch the light of the jedi is a new york times bestseller so i think it, it's having a it's having a great, healthy launch, and a lot of people are talking about it and are excited about it. So, um, mm-hmm. I think the delay was uh, all for the best. And even though 2020 was crazy, 2021 is either a really intense epilogue or we leveled up <laughs> in Jumanji at the end of last year. Uh. So, I'm just glad that uh, we have. Just a, a a well-written work of fiction that kind of embodies, like, kind of more of a world that I think we would want to see and is more optimistic, and uh, it was just a breath of fresh air to, I, to get I You know what? Book. I totally agree with you, just because, yeah, just because exactly what, you know, we've experienced in 2020, you know, we all have experienced trauma. I mean, we all have. Let's be honest. And mm-hmm. um, like you said, twenty the beginning of 2021, um, I saw a meme pretty much saying that 2021 was one of those um, post-credit scenes of 2020, which exactly that's, you know, exactly how I felt. But um, I couldn't help after reading this book, um, especially with the, you know, the week that the USFA had, you know, had prior. This book definitely left me feeling very hopeful and optimistic and just wishing like even the introduction of Avar Chris where she just you know she says you know I mastered Avar Chris and help is on the way like for me that that just left such a big impact for me because it was just like oh like we need Jedi <laughs> like I don't I, you know something silly like that um but yeah. you know just this how the Republic right now is just you know um, we're gonna you know the chancellor so is just you know promoting you know unity and you know that we are all we are all the republic and how you know the, it's mentioned a lot in this book how much you know how often they say it but you know um, yeah the the galaxy is just you know they are everyone's feeling hopeful right now and that is something that I just thought for me was very uh, healing when I was reading this book because like you said it's something that I you know you we want for you know you know for our current you know you know world and you know if I can escape a little bit reading about space wizards um it just 
you know, just how impactful for, uh, this. And if anyone is, you know, you're kind of still on the fence with this book, I'm telling you, pick up this book because it, it, Star Wars is always about a message of hope. And, you know, this book is, you know, no exception. Avar Chris, she is kind of the prominent character of this time period. Yes. What did you think of her? I loved her. I loved her so very much. Um, again, I mentioned that her introduction at the end of chapter three was so powerful because we are, you know, this again, the story begins on this impending doom on its way and tragedy is about to hit and we have all lost of hope, but no need to fear. Avar Chris is on the way. And I don't know. I just, again, I'm we're familiar with who she, you know, we all know who, she, you know, her, if anyone was, you know, this, her character was very highly publicized and, you know, in the beginning of, you know, when we were talking about the High Republic coming out, she's almost on every cover. You you know, she's probably the first uh, concept art we've seen. She's on uh, the cover of Light of the Jedi. She's a cover on the cover of the comics. And um, she is someone that, you know, they kind of you know, someone that they really push for us getting to be really familiar with. But I loved her. Uh, she is noble. And again, we talked earlier about her, you know, the way she connects with the force. Uh, I thought that was so neat. Um, I don't know. She's just very, you know, just she shows compassion and she's, you know, gives hope to those who need it. And I think that's a great example of a Jedi. Yeah. No complaints for from me. Like if I were able to hang out with her, I would jump at the opportunity. And I I think that she would get along well with Qui Gon, and she reminds me of Qui Gon. Yeah, I think in she's kind of like the Qui Gon of this era, and yeah. I think that Qui Gon would have fit in a lot better in this era. And I think so too. I mean. I think what this era kind of means, I was kind of just thinking about it, like um, the Starlight Beacon. Mm -hmm. If that were around when Anakin was born, I don't think slavery would have like been as prevalent no. in the Outer Rim. And no. I think if the Starlight Beacon was still in effect, I think the Republic would have been in a better position and I think the Jedi Order would have been less dogmatic. Yeah. I think with what what they're showing with the High Republic is this is why Anakin was born in slavery and this is mm -hmm. why he became Darth Vader. And I was like, wow, if, I think that's what they're trying to show, but it's like, this is why you should care. This is why it's not good to be dogmatic. This is why you should help people, you know? like yes. Mm -hmm. It could have changed the course of the galaxy and that all kind of just says, I, I just kind of like, as I was just thinking about Avar Chris's character, Qui-Gon's character and just kind of everything. I was just like, oh my goodness, I think they're going there. Like that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a cool, uh, yeah. cool thing to show. No, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And right now, what you just said about the star, you know, if the starlight beacon was around during, you know, the time that we know, <laughs> what a bit of difference because the starlight beacon is supposed to be, is supposed to, you know, they call it beacon, you know, for a reason, you know, it's this, 
you know, it's where from, you know, there's a Jedi temple on there. It's it's pretty much a way to connect the outer rim to the core worlds, kind of have that middle middleman part there of the Republic presence and the Jedi there would have been a big difference, especially, you know, for the outer rim planets. And I just that's I love that you said that that really kind of just hit it right there for me, too. And when you kind of bring up, like, Avar Chris, uh, Elzar Man doesn't seem to be too far behind. Mm-mm. I remember seeing the art, and they described Stellan Geos, and I think in some of the preliminary art, it kind of seemed more like he resembled more the person on the cover, so I'm not quite sure if, like, Stellan Geos and Elzar Man were originally the, the same character, Mm-hmm. Um, but now it kind of seems like they're different characters and yeah. uh, Stellan Geos isn't quite uh, featured in this book. But it, no, just because of like uh, the description of the characters and like the way their art uh, was was kind of shown like uh, and like even just looking at the book cover, I was kind of like, I kind of feel like they're close and the way like the the cover of the book, like they're kind of. Uh, mirroring each other's they're kind of mirroring each other with the lightsaber yeah I'm looking at it right now yeah (laughs) and they're close to each other so I'm like I kind of think there's gonna be a little bit of a romance there is I I, and I got a hint of that yeah (laughs) and I was so so happy because same um, here (laughs) I feel like the sequel trilogy I don't quite know what the original goal was for the romance, but I feel like with Rise of Skywalker, they tried to make everyone happy, but by doing that, they didn't really make anyone happy. And Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I can understand people's hesitation with like the prequel trilogy romance, but I'm like, <laughs> for me, I think some of the writing could have been tweaked, mm-hmm. but I think like the overall arc... Of that romance, it's a tragic romance, and it was kind of Faustian, and I think it actually ended up being the best realized, unless you're looking at just the original trilogy on its own, because mm-hmm. uh, Han and Leia, like, yeah, it's, you know, really good, but, like, with the sequels, it's like, I didn't quite like how they were kind of uh, separated, and then he died, and then it's like, oh... Okay. Yeah, because, well, uh, you know, it, it is, fun. yeah, it is no, you know, as much as of a fan, I do, you know, I do enjoy the sequels, but, you know, we can, it's just, there was really no cut, cut you know, cut plan. And yeah. I'm also interested, you know, it's hard to say, like, I wonder really what they were really trying to go for, but it's, again, it's, it was really hard because different director, different story, each movie. And, yeah. um, there was potential, you know, of course, you see potential just because the act, you know, the chemistry of the actors were amazing. Also, yeah, just the how, you know, we they talk about them being a dyad, but just how just opposites they were. But they just had so much. They were they were so similar, similar at the same time. Yeah, it's a shame because I feel like the problem was is like they were hesitant to go for it. And then they went for yeah. it, but at the end, just like, like you said, just to appease every, you know, 
All right. You guys like this. Some of you guys like they this part. Yeah. Yeah. Makes no <laughs> sense. Why would you do that? Again, I think it was kind of a. Yeah, they were probably hesitant to kind of go for it or go there, which, yeah. you know, I guess I think it just leaves really just for us the imagination of what could have been, I guess. Yeah, no, going back to Avar, Chris and Elzar. Very, very interested in this. <laughs> yeah, because it I'm seems like they're mature. Them. Yes. It seems like they're mature adults, but they're Jedi, but they are drawn to each other. And, like, mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if, like, as the story goes along, if that relationship is going to progress. Yeah. And what it means for them as Jedi. Like, could mm-hmm. they be part of the Lost 20? Could yeah. their could their relationship kind of, like, kind of turn into a Lancelot Guinevere situation <laughs> for the Jedi Order, you know? Like, because so there's, good. like, there's a lot of Camelot overtones, you know? Yeah, there is. So I'm like, there's going to be drama, you know? And... <laughs> But I'm excited for it. Of um, course, we're all here for it. <laughs> it's kind of it kind of is forbidden. Yes. They're, they're friends. There's friends, and, there's history. You know, she yeah. is I know that he was kind of seen as unreliable. Um, you know, cuz he was very expert, you know, he liked to experience be experimental with the force and people considered him unreliable. And he wasn't promoted to be a master. She was. And they were around the same time. I mean, they kind of, you know, they entered as younglings together. They, you know, she moved on in the ranks and he didn't. I thought that was really interesting. Why did it take so long for him to, you know, it seemed like he really wasn't interested. And, you know, there's, yeah, I there's kind of like some imbalance there. And I that's, to me, that just um entails for a more rich storytelling you know that she yeah she's described as noble and you know she's kind of like the prime example of you know what a jedi is and there's something with him that he's i don't know is he bought in completely or you know he's still very hesitant and so i thought that was for me i thought that was really um really interesting these high school sweethearts, they knew each other as kindergartens. They, you know, went up, they grew up in school together. And you have one who's very, you know, succeeding and one who's kind of just not catching up as much. And I thought that was really interesting how, you know, what's really, what's really stopping him. He does get the rank of master at the end, but because, you know, he's with her during this mission that they're on, but... I don't know. I just, to me, I thought that was very, I I thought that was interesting. Because it seems like he's a maverick Jedi, but he kind of has mixed results. So I did like how he wasn't just like a character that could have been like the Qui-Gon, like another Qui-Gon of the era, you know? He's kind Mm -hmm. of his own person. He does his own thing. Mm -hmm. It seems like he is someone who kind of challenges not necessarily challenges, but like he kind of tests kind of like the the orders precepts and uh tries to be his own tries to think for himself, which can be admirable 
Like, yeah. if you're in the prequel trilogy, I think they would have been like, um, bye. We're not yeah. dealing with you, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do not We do not grant you the rank of master. But speaking of masters, we have Loden Greatstorm, and I think that he has, like, one of the best names in Great all of name. the High Fan- Republic. Yeah. Fantastic name. He is a Twi'lek, yeah. and he is a master, and he is very funny. I thought he had some. I thought he had great some great sense of humor, and uses every yellow moment. Lightsaber. Yellow lightsaber, yellow yellow lightsaber. Oh, loved it! I loved it yeah. so much. I would want if I was a Padawan and wanted to have. I would be thrilled to have Loden Great Storm as a master. Very wise. Uses every moment also to as a teaching moment. Also, he's a good supportive teacher. I definitely, I'm like, man, if I could have just had a mentor like like that, like, yeah, <laughs> that right? would have helped me out a lot. He's a good master. I thought he died and then he didn't, so that is going to be <laughs> interesting to see how that unfurls. I in know the coming story. His apprentice Bell was was a fun character. Loved him. He he's an apprentice, but kind of mm-hmm. like kind of about to become a knight and uh he actually does end up becoming a knight according to his master we kind of get to see like a, a good student like because he he does fail but he learns to yeah. learn because he has a good teacher for me i was able to connect with him a lot on a personal level but also he's just in the position that i feel like you know he, this is a great entryway he's learning and i feel like we're almost kind of on the same boat as him like, for me, that's how I took it. I was completely just on the same page as him the entire time. Um, but I really, really enjoyed him. Young, eager. But can we talk about his charhound, his dog named Ember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I, you guys, we have a Jedi named Bell, and he has a dog. I said it. He has a dog named Ember. So cute. In the prequel trilogy, I I just know the Masters would be like, that's an attachment. Can't have that. Can't have the dog. That's an attachment. Oh, I was a fan. Big fan. Yeah, I I loved uh, Loden, Great Storms, and Belle's uh, relationship. I thought that was fun. I Yeah, I mean. He reminded me so much of Anakin. I don't know. That's just personally just kind of like his aloofness in a way. But I was like. Got like this young Anakin vibe from him. Maybe because he was jumping yeah. out of things all the time. And I love it when they <laughs> jump out of moving objects. It's so great. <laughs> Definitely. But I think you touch on a, a good thought because a lot of these Jedi kind of get their strength from their relationships. And maybe those relationships kind of are are more attachments than not. And... I, I just kind of wonder where the change is going to come from when we kind of uh, come more into the prequel trilogy and there's less of an emphasis on, like, healthy relationships, you know? But a lot of yeah. these Jedi are able to do their best because they're close to each other, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Buryaga... Buryaga and Skier are are pretty cool. They're they're kind of different Jedi uh, from the rest uh, because they're a 
they're a one is um a whoopee and one one's a trans one's a trash Jewsden. I forget is it Trashdonian or trans Transdosian. <laughs> you guys help us. Transdo Transdonian. Transdosian. Transdosian. We'll say uh, it with confidence. Yeah. Transdosian. Transdosian so. guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of those characters? I. I love, Wookies. I love Chewie. I love Chewbacca so much. And the thing that I love about Chewbacca, he just seems something like he's just a very comforting being. I think all Wookies are. But Buriaga, he was able to sense emotions of others. And he was able to save a lot of people because when there was that crash that happened, he was able to sense that, you know, they all thought it was debris and they were going to blast it out of the sky. And he was able to sense that, no, those are a lot of people on that in that debris. And he was able, you know, which led to them saving those people because he was able to sense that for him to have. And him just being a Wookiee on top of it, I mean, just... Wookiees are just so... They're just comforting. And for him yeah. to feel like, you know... He can sense an emotion. He knows when you're sad. And he can go and comfort you just by giving you a Wookiee hug, which he does. I'm glad that he had a real character. Yes. He wasn't just there or just there as comic relief or just be like, here's some Star Wars flavor. Hey, guys, this is just a Chewbacca who was a Jedi. Completely. He has a different character. And Skier, Skier saw had a, had an interesting uh, character as well. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was happy. I was happy with the characters there, and I, I'm excited to see more from them. So. Yeah, no, same here. I picked up the book to the Great Rescue, which is the child kids book, not the junior novel. By Justina Ireland. It's the actual. It's like a little. It's a kid book, and um, oh, it's cool. pretty much the first act of uh, the Light of the Jedi, but in a you know in a picture book. Um, and I got that book just because I wanted to see the different illustrations and stuff. Yeah, you really. It's pretty much centered around uh, Buriaga's character, which is a really, really fun introduction for kids. So, if you, if you have kids, uh, kids at home, I really recommend that book. And um, it's a great introduction for High Republic for uh, children's ages. But it's, yeah, it has, uh, you have Buriaga and you also kind of, they kind of show uh, Loden and Bell's uh, point of view too. Again, I got it just for the illustrations. I just wanted to see a little bit more of, you know, it shows you a picture of the Starlight Beacon and you can see some of the characters. But I love Buriaga. I thought he had a great, um, he had a great scene or a great, uh, part of the, yeah, part of the story. He had a great scene with a little boy and again, it just shows the compassion of the Jedi and how, you know, people say, oh, you, you know, the Jedis are the heroes. You guys are the heroes. And he's very, you know, he was kind of hesitant. There's something in humbleness about him that I really, really enjoyed. I thought. You know, again, like you said, it wasn't just like a, oh, well, here's a Star Wars character that looks familiar. Here you go. No, um, I think he had a great, um, again, great introduction and nice little story arc. Lena So, I had just finished reading the Star Wars Heresies, 
by Paul F. McDonald. Mm -hmm. And there was, in the Phantom Menace section, there was a chapter on Coruscant. And I think, like, when it was, like, 1999, a lot of people didn't really like Coruscant because it just looked a little too fake. Uh, Very futurist. Yeah, just, uh, you're not familiar, especially if you're, you know, coming from the original trilogy. It's something you've really never seen. We've never really seen. Yeah. But what I liked about this book is that it talked about how you can't really see the ground on Coruscant so no one is really grounded mm-hmm. and you're kind of separated from nature so you're not really surrounded by the living force it's kind of just like busy day-to-day mm-hmm. politics and kind of just everyone's looking out for their own interests uh, but what I liked about Lena So is that they made a point of showing her kind of going to this uh, area of Coruscant where they have like the last original mountain of Coruscant that's uncovered and I'm like oh I hope it lasts I I don't think it's going to but mm-hmm. because she's kind of surrounded by uh, nature mm-hmm. her two animals you know oh, uh, she seems to be yeah, yeah. Sh- she's a she's a good chancellor compared to the last chancellor and- that we are familiar with <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And she just seems like more of a grounded, like, kind of genuine politician. Like, so what did what did you think of her character? Uh, I enjoyed it. I, especially her being a woman in power, I was like, ooh, this is exciting. She's a leader. Totally dig the two lion, lion animals that she had. Uh, yeah. I forgot they're called. I think they're called Targans. You can just tell just by just even the people surrounding her, the senators that are around her, or even like the Jedi that she was, you know, working with, that they all have this respect for her. And even like I know like she had interactions with Avar Chris because Avar Chris was the one to kind of give her the debrief of, you know, the what had happened on Hetzel Prime after the, the great disaster and whatnot. You would think that the Jedi probably would kind of sense, hey, okay, this is kind of something's a little, you know, fishy about her. But no, I think they all had this respect towards her. Um, you can tell that she's thinking about her people, uh, thinking about everyone in the Republic. You know, we talk about we are all the Republic. That saying that she has, you know, got to everyone, you know, to kind of buy in. You know, she's had to make some decisions like, you know, closing down the hyperlanes. Um but her, I think her priority is the people of the Republic. And it's very, you just got that. That's, you know, really all she really cared about are other people. Yeah, there's something just, you know, she just cares about humanity. And you just totally just, you know, can just sense that about her. Again, it has to do with a lot of the, of the writing also. I, I did like that there were parts of the the book where it's like, she did have to do some real, like, governing and politicking so like she did have to make compromises like Mm -hmm. she she had to like be connected to like the real day-to-day politics you know uh Mm -hmm. so i did like that we we did see her governing uh kind of having to make uh hard decisions Mm -hmm. she wants to make the right decisions but uh she does have to rule and then uh, the Lore Santec is it was kind of cool to have that connection to the sequel trilogy. Like, I guess, like, they're 
wealthy and kind of connected to the force. Um, yeah, they're like the Rockefeller of the Republic, and they're actually in on the planet of Naboo, which was really exciting. <laughs> it was so nice to have Naboo I there. I loved it. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, I mean, I I would love to live on Naboo. It's same. It's kind of like the Italy kind of yeah mixed with India, I, I would say. Love it. Of the, of the mm-hmm. Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, hey, Alderaan's you know what? nice. Yeah, Alderaan's nice also. But I mean, hey. But it blows you, up. Yeah, I know. But hey, if y'all, you have all this money that they're saying that these, uh, the Santeca clan have, what better place to be at is on Naboo, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense for them to be somewhere at a wonderful planet as like Naboo so I was real that was a fun little easter egg for me I like yeah cheered <laughs> all right yeah. uh, um before we move on to our final topic um I just wanted to make the plug uh about Apple podcast reviews if you are trying to chart a course to get as many people as possible to hear about the Ebonhawk podcast the best possible way to do that is to leave us a five-star review, uh, subscribe, and share our podcast, and that helps more people find quicker ways to get to the Up and Hawk podcast if we're trying to, you know, talk about the Star Wars galaxy of it all. So we're always appreciative of all those who listen, who have subscribed and reviewed, and we're always grateful to you guys. Uh, So may the force be with you, and let's get to our final topic. So do you think the High Republic has been realized? If it were to be made into a movie, like what visuals do you think would be important to realize it? Honestly, they kind of go into detail about, like, even just the way they... Hyperspace is very, very <laughs> different. Or I, it's they kind of go into big detail. I would just think, like, they would have to spend... If they want to go on a movie, kind of put a time, time stamp of what hyperspace is all about. They, you know, should show us the kind of, you know, how... I guess it's really... It's just so unpredictable. I mean, hyperspace is, but, you know, they really should, if they should highlight, I would say that they would highlight difficulties of hyperspace in this, you know, what, in this book, if they want to make it into a movie to kind of show you kind of the part of this is where the High Republic was. This is what they were dealing with. Yeah. That makes sense. It does. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm always thinking of the main reason like we have a podcast the Up and hawk podcast is Mm -hmm. to think about how to adapt knights of the old republic cinematically so we're always thinking about how to do that and i kind of just think about it like the technology has always been there in star wars like sometimes Mm -hmm. like to lesser extents than other times you know Mm -hmm. um and I kind of hearken the Knights of the Old Republic uh, era kind of a little bit to, like, the medieval, mm-hmm. to the mid- Middle Ages. Um, so we've always had travel, you know, even in the Middle Ages. It just took yeah. a long time to sail. 
you know uh, yeah. nowadays yeah. we have we have jet engines you know so like it's the same yeah. concept but it's just like different technology better technology and mm-hmm. i think with the high republic and like anytime back in the back in the day like hyperspace always existed like it's mm-hmm. star wars there's always technology but uh, sometimes it's just like they're able to do things faster for less with using less energy or they're just able to be safer or more effective you know and I think that would be kind of cool like even just to see like two two centuries before the prequels like a little bit of a different technology a little bit of a different wardrobe um, but I think you see some overlap kind of a prequel chic look it would be kind of fun but overall what do you anticipate like where do you think the high republic story is going to go um i think like what we said earlier um you know we talk about you know i know we talked about the nile and um the way it's you're kind of left a kind of a cliffhanger because you know what exactly well, in particular one person, what exactly do they want from the Jedi? And um, I think we're going to be, I think we're about to see, I think when we get to the point of what they're really, what the Jedi are really, really afraid of, uh, we're going to see a lot of challenges. And, you know, I know we talk about the prequel era being the downfall of the Jedi, but I mean, this could <laughs> also very well be, you know, um, there's just going to be a lot of, I think there's just going to be tons of, I mean, there's just going to be a lot of, um, I think they're just going to go through a lot before, obviously it's still, I mean, 200 years is still a long time before, you know, we get to the prequel era and whatnot. But I think when we get to what really scares the Jedi, like, you know, we've been hearing, I think that's what, that's what we're going to be really in for. Um, you know, so far this Republic is, you know, everything's going great, but, you know, we may see kind of just the beginning of, you know, just the downfall of it or just little hints of it, I should say. I, I kind of think that when the High Republic was first announced, there were a lot of, uh, King Arthur overtones and undertones some were overt uh and some i kind of picked up on but this is a time when um things are supposedly going well for the galaxy and well for the jedi order but when we Mm -hmm. see the galaxy in the prequel trilogy a lot kind of changes so i think that um you're gonna see maybe some fear and some dogma kind of take root uh, Mm -hmm. in the Jedi and that will affect the Jedi Order and um, the galaxy at large and like I mentioned like the downfall of Starlight Beacon and the -hmm. Republic in the Outer Rim that that determines if Anakin was born in the Republic or if he was born in slavery, you know? So I think this will end up kind of being a little bit more of a tragedy. And yeah. I kind of, like I mentioned, like, I'm not sure if 
Avar and Elzar, if their romance, like, if there will be, like, an overt romance, or if they kind of have to go their separate ways, like, could that be kind of like a Lancelot Guinevere situation? Like, because in the King Arthur cycle, once Lancelot and Guinevere get together, it, it kind of uh, starts a ticking time bomb for the end of Camelot, you know? So I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, I wonder how much, like, how much, how much King Arthur we're in for. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. And you know what? I know. And then we also, this is, this is in a course of, you know, this goes up to 2022. You know, like yeah. we mentioned earlier, there's three different phases. So um, we still have a, you know, there's still going to be so many books coming out, comics coming out. Um, in phase one, they're talking about Light of the Jedi. And then phase two, it's Quest of the Jedi. And then phase three, Trials of the Jedi. Which I thought is really, you know, really exciting. And, you know, of course, you know, we're in a whole new era. There's still plenty of time for more characters to be introduced. You know, more world, you know, world building. Going on these adventures with a Jedi that we've, again, we've heard so much about that we finally get to, you know, experience. But I mean, I feel like the Jedi will come up against a big threat that they probably have never experienced or have ever faced. And um, ultimately, that's going to set them on their path leading to their downfall in the prequel era. You know, towards the end of the book, the Nile, you know, gained this new leader. He has some thing against the Jedi and he has been you know kind of playing the parts like the game of chess so don't know what that's all about so that's going to be really exciting to 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 kind of see later on do you think that there could be a trilogy of movies or a series made in the story coming out of the high republic i think so I think so. I mean, just what we experienced just with this one book. I mean, again, it's a whole different time period that we've never seen. And, you know, we talked about visuals and just, I don't know, just even like the space, they're talking about their, like their vectors or spaceships, how it's like ignited with the lightsaber. That would be really cool to see. Um I think so. I mean, I think they can, you know, we're all going to get attached to these characters and we're all going to eventually want to see them in live action at some point. I, you know, I can totally see them wanting to maybe have some sort of, I don't know, TV, whether it's a TV show or trilogy or movie based in this era. I mean, yeah, I I think I think that was probably, you know, they we talked about, you know, they, they released the sequels and, you know, People can have their opinions about them, say what they want. You know, they, you know, there was mistakes probably made. And that's why, you know, there was, you know, you can not like some parts of it or, you know, don't like them at all. You know, whatever you choose to enjoy, choose not what to enjoy. But I think they probably want to, you know, let's, let's introduce you to these characters. Let's this, you know, let's give you some backstory and, you know, let's see what you like and don't like. And then. You know, why wouldn't they? I can totally see. Yeah. I can totally see us giving this a preview of, you know, um, and 
why wouldn't you want to especially if it's going to do so well i mean look the book just already hit you know the new york's you know best selling list like you know if this is going in the the direction of success why wouldn't they want it i it would just be silly of them not to want to turn this into some you know um movie or tv show or whatnot my impulse is always when you have a new era mm-hmm. i would prefer to see it captured cinematically because i think mm-hmm. there's just more eyes uh more money that can that will see i think uh when something is made into a movie like more people are able to see it you can put more money into things it just kind of seems more grander you know and i think you can just kind of push the edge with uh the technology kind of realizing these different settings um that I would love to see it made into a movie, see these characters, see the story. Because um, it's like it's it's like the prequels, but but different, you know, so yeah. I would love to see it. Yeah. And this again, this book introduced it. It's a perfect blend of familiar and brand new. And, yeah. you know, I, I would love again, I would love to see this because it feels very much like Star Wars. But there's something just a little bit exciting that it's there's still so many different nuance to it. Yeah, which is something that uh, George Lucas captured with the original Star Wars. It was familiar. It was a it was a fairy tale, but in mm-hmm. space. So mm-hmm. you kind of have these different creatures, but you can be like, this is a. A shepherd boy you know this is a princess <laughs> yeah. you know this is the wise wizard you know and that's what star wars is is like it's different but familiar and i think that this era continues in that same tradition and i would love to see it uh adapted cinematically so yeah yeah well that was a, a fun episode uh where can our viewers find you uh star wars thrifting you can find me on instagram discovering what's out there through thrift stores flea markets all that good stuff um you can find me at star wars underscore thrifting on instagram um i'm usually there dms are always open uh to talk star wars and come hang out if you guys want to see some cool adventures while thrift shopping looking for star wars stuff uh that's the place to be (laughs) All right. Uh, sounds good. And you can find the Ebon Hawk podcast on Instagram at Ebon Hawk Podcast. And our podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out immensely. And then Coden can be found... Coden can be found at twitch.tv forward slash Coden He typically streams on Thursday evening, 6 to 7 Mountain Standard Time. And he can also be found on Instagram at Coden And our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been the Ebon Hawk Podcast. May the Force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now.